0: Hi listeners, welcome back to the Absolutely ADHD podcast.
1: Hi everyone, hi Alana.
0: Sam. How are you? How are you? I'm good. It's kind You're of gonna bad like you gonna pretend like we weren't just chatting for like three
1: I know, guys. We just had a whole fully fledged, 45-minute, deeply emotional conversation. Yet I'm like,
0: hi Sam. How are you?
1: <laughs> My voice just cracked really weird. It's okay. Everyone ignore that. Don't listen to this. Yeah pretend that didn't happen. I'm traveling tomorrow back to California to like be with my family for the next two weeks. But my flight is at 6.50 in the morning, which sounds like an unimaginable time. And for some reason, it's throwing me off way more. Like when my flight is like at a weird time, it ruins the day before more so than if if my flight were at a normal time.
0: Does that make any sense? It makes total sense for me too. If it's in the morning, then I'll be up all night. Like I'll get in bed early and then I'll continuously wake up throughout the night because I'm like, you're going to miss the flight. You're going to miss sleep. I'm like, okay, perfect. So in, instead I'll just get no sleep.
1: Well, yeah, of course. I mean, why, this is very bizarrely on point, but why do something, you know, half-assed if I'm not going to, if I have to get up early, I'm just never going to go to sleep. I do the same thing before races, like before like a half marathon or a marathon or something, because the start times are normally 7 a.m. They're really early. Mm -hmm. But the one thing you need before a big race is a good sleep. Yeah. But because I live alone, I'm like, what if I miss the race? So I can't sleep because there's no fail safe there. If I sleep through my alarm.
0: Right. Yeah. No one's
1: there to be like, hello.
0: (laughs) I always, yeah, it's it's hard. I always need to sleep before my before I run marathons. Yeah, of course, of course. The other day, I was going to the airport, and it was there. There's one airport like a little bit closer to me, and my dad has my location. Like I prefer it that way. He doesn't usually use it. I just kind of like like to have him have it. Yeah. He calls me in my hour of like you know when you're rushing to do all the steps before leaving, and you have it down to a minute. You know, you have it perfectly yeah. lined up like. I've waited till t- t- the last possible minute. This is as far as I can go. <laughs> and so my dad called me and was like, You better hurry. And I obviously ended up making it on time. And I texted him. I was like, I was like, If you ever stress me out of- about that again, you're going to lose your location sharing privilege. <laughs> like-
1: you are kicked off the Find My Friends list. My parents follow- I just, both My parents follow me on Find My Friends. They never look. Like, what do they know
0: about Austin? You know? I actually really like it from a safety perspective. I just like being able to see where you're at if I haven't heard from you. But then sometimes I'm like, this is actually kind of pointless. Cause if I'm like at a random location, like that doesn't mean anything to my dad or you a state like States away. Yeah.
1: I'm not gonna, I never, one, I never look at your location. And then as long as you're, if you're not, I know where you live, but that's literally it, you know, <laughs> like, I remember a couple weeks ago, I was over at this guy's house and his apartment complex was built within the last three years, I think. And so for some reason on Find My Friends or Google Maps or something, it's an open field. It's not like an apartment complex because it's really new. Mm -hmm. Um, And my dad called me and my dad... Never checks my location, and he never calls me. Like my mom is definitely a more anal one between the two of them. And he's like, "Where are you? Like seriously, you haven't been answering your mother's text messages. We're incredibly <laughs> concerned." And I'm like, oh, "This is the worst possible time to <laughs> tell you where I am, but it's not an open field." What did you tell them? I told him I was at a guy's house. Like, what else am I supposed? Like, they were near yeah. hysterical. They thought I was like fighting for my life in a cornfield or something.
0: I'm I'm sure I would too. Sorry, I didn't notice. (laughs) Yeah, for real. Bad friend. Hmm. So this week I wanted to talk about all or nothing thinking such a challenge having an ADHD brain and i talk about this with my clients all the time me and you talk about it all the time i think last week talking about how to have more of a neutral mindset i was kind of thinking about like what are some different ways we do that mm-hmm. and we can kind of encourage ourselves to be aware of what our natural thinking tendencies are and for a lot of us it's all or nothing thinking all or nothing thinking and behaviors are so hard. And I think you're
1: so right. Like you do have to recognize a pattern. And I feel like for me, all or nothing thinking doesn't necessarily affect my relationship with myself more so than it does affect how I feel about myself in relation to other people. Like when my friends disappoint me or when I get into or I feel really embarrassed. Like I've done something that's really embarrassing. Instead of moving through that in a normal way, I want to trash the entire relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, just
0: like throw it out and start over with someone else. Totally. Like just the second that there's any bit of either like discomfort, change, anything, just to kind of name it for all or nothing thinking is just a thinking pattern, a cognitive distortion. When we only consider that there's like two outcomes, right? Like black and white or yeah. this or that, or completely good or a complete failure. Right? Yeah. So it's really difficult as ADHDers to live in that middle space. I think with the fact that we're impulsive people have strong emotional reactions, we have a dopamine deficiency. So our brain is trying to stay engaged all the time. So in a way to help keep it engaged, thinking in this way Kind of like helps our brain, but it's not necessarily helpful, right? Yeah. Does that make any sense? Yeah,
1: no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're on this perpetual roller coaster, and it does yeah. keep you engaged, but in a very harmful
0: way. Exactly. You always um word things so that was like a perfect. <laughs> well, like, we laid down
1: the foundation.
0: <laughs> no, but this is why we. This is why we do this together. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I was thinking. You remember last season? It was either last season or two seasons ago. We did an episode on like habit building. Yeah, And we always talk about this, how when you want to do like a life edit, it's super damaging for people with ADHD because I kind of feel like when you're, we pile too much on top of it, you know, we're like, okay, we're going to get up at 6am and then we're going to go straight to the gym and then we're going to come home and have a smoothie and, you know, put away our laundry and all of this stuff. And then if we mess up on one part of that, then the whole plan is out the window instead of just taking a beat, you know, and picking back up
0: exactly and then when we think about what that does also to our confidence like self-esteem it's really challenging too because then we're like we feel like we failed when an actual when actually it was kind of not a sustainable or attainable goal to begin yeah. with you know well, like that's just yeah I read this
1: Well, oh, I always say like I read this but I think I saw TikTok honestly TikTok. <laughs> I was it was either Instagram or TikTok or something But it was like this girl and i don't think this isn't like a novel idea but she was like you should split your day into four quarters like in a sports game you have early morning mid-morning afternoon evening and if you mess up on one of the quarters that's okay you have three more quarters you know Mm -hmm. like i feel all the time that I compartmentalize my days too broadly where if I do one bad thing during the day, the whole day is ruined.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh.
1: When in reality, that's not the case at all. You know, it's just an independent, I don't, you know, I feel like I'm trying to one part.
0: Yeah. It's just one tiny part. Right. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. I think that's actually a really good suggestion of the kind of splitting the day up into four like quadrants. I work on this with my clients too. Um, And if four sounds like a lot, like try three, you know, but what this is doing is it's giving yourself the chance to restart without doing what we just said, like throwing the whole day out, right? We're giving ourselves that flexibility of like, okay, it's okay if this part wasn't exactly what we planned to do. Let's like restart and give it another try without... Just going into that kind of like shame spiral of like, oh, why can't I keep anything up? You know, all that stuff.
1: I woke up and we were talking about this before we started. I woke up this morning and I was like, oh God, I'm hungover. I have so much to do before I fly out tomorrow. How did I let this happen? Like the whole day is trash when in rea- in reality, just my morning was trash. I'm feeling fine now, you know? Yeah. And so right. I'll restart. And if this that means that I stay up a little later tonight, then that's Okay you know?
0: Yeah. It's funny you say that. I was coming back from Boston with my mom. We were seeing some family and our train was completely, it was a huge storm and there was like a power outage on our train. So we couldn't get on our train. And then we had to take a bus and the whole day pretty much, I was supposed to get back at two thirty. I ended up getting back at five thirty. Now, when I say that out loud, like that doesn't sound that different, but in the moment that was, I was supposed to have half my day versus that took away the second half of my day that I was supposed to have. And so in that moment of being on the bus and just like thinking and ruminating of all the things I need to be doing, but can't be doing, it's just, it's really overwhelming. And it's this really debilitating feeling of like having to figure it all out now.
1: Well, and it's so funny that you say that because I was on a date with last night is in a period of flux with a new job and, you know, with lease cycles and everything and the job's remote. And so we were sitting there and I was just, you know, kind of asking him like how the interview process went how he's feeling. Is he excited? Like all this stuff. And he's like, I'm just so overwhelmed. Like there's all of these things I have to figure out. And very quickly, the conversation, it seemed like spiraled from transitioning to a new job to, okay, I have to figure out where I'm going to live next year, but I have this dog. What am I supposed to do? Maybe I want to buy a house, but I don't know if right time, if it's the right time to buy a house. Like all of this stuff started, he started talking about like, and he was even like, whoa, this is very overwhelming. And he said it to himself when he was sitting there. He was like, I don't have to figure, I have to keep reminding myself that I don't have to figure all of this out right now. And I'm like, stopping yourself, it was actually really impressive, honestly, because stopping yourself in the middle of that thought pattern and being like, okay, I don't have to figure all of this out right now. I feel uncomfortable, but I can just notice that feeling and I don't have to act on it. Like, mm-hmm. is so hard. And you have the benefit, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, of, you know, coaching people. So it's always on your mind, you know? Right. Absolutely. But to like... I don't know, just to note it. So I think it's what you were saying in the beginning where it's like the first step is, and we always say this, the first
0: step is just noticing that it's happening. But you're right. It's totally not normal to think of this stuff. And if it takes a while to improve this muscle in our brain that allows us to even go into this part of being aware of this is the way we think. Yeah. Or all this stuff. I, I do think that's an important thing to acknowledge. Like my, people will ask me this, all the time. And I have to explain like ADHD and learning about ADHD and teaching others about ADHD. That's my hyper focus. So like, you know, I'm so aware I'm thinking about this stuff all the time. I'm creating content about it all the time, but when we're not, that's not normal. You know, we're not used to thinking this way. And it does take a while to kind of train our brains to question this stuff and be like, okay, how can I be a little bit more in that gray area or at least remind myself that there is a gray area yeah. right, not these two outcomes yeah
1: my last therapist whom I adore I thought she was so annoying for this and it was only in hindsight and her telling me this literally a million times that it started to click about like neural pathways and the highways that you have in your brain and how quick it is to hop on one road that you're so used to going on and building those connections in your brain they are second nature if you practice it's why it's right. so easy for us to spiral into all or nothing thinking it's because we have so much practice doing it you know yeah that stuff like there is a part of adh like we are just born with it there's not you didn't do anything wrong to get it but there is a part of this that we just do to ourselves yeah. because we practice it so much so being able to stop in the middle of a spiral and be like, this is a thought spiral.
0: Like that is enough, you know, right. that's and difficult, Right. And you're so right the way you worded it too. Just when we're used to doing these things, when our brain goes to, you know, a thought pattern or something that we're ruminating on, like if we were to interrupt that, uh-huh. anything new, anything different, our nervous system recognize that as like dangerous and it's like yeah. no we don't want to do it and then we go to the default right the thing that our brain is used to which sometimes is procrastinating going to the extremes asking for reassurance like all that stuff yeah well it's or, the
1: same thing as it's what we were talking about last week you know with the danger and it's the devil you know you know it might not be good but at least you're aware of what it is because you know that the alternative you might recognize the alternative is better, but your brain can't guarantee that that is a safe outcome. So it will, your nervous system will do everything in its power to keep you in the same pattern that you're used to creating. You know, right. that's why it's so hard to build habits. I mean, I'm sure I'm not a scientist, I'm not a neurologist, so I'm not totally sure about this, but this is what it feels like where it's like, I might not be happy rolling out of bed at 11am and never working out and eating like crap. But you know, the alternative, I can't guarantee I would be happy doing that either. So isn't it better just to stay doing what I'm doing, even though it's not, I'm not (laughs) condoning that I'm just saying I think that's like, the easiest, like, that's the way we think.
0: Definitely. I've been thinking a lot about it, too. Like, for me, the hyper focus has really been kind of what gets me through a lot like grad school. I think it is a gift to be able to know that, okay, like if I wait till the last minute, there's gonna be a rush of there's gonna be a deadline and I'm just gonna figure it out because that's simply how I've done it. Like that is what yeah. will happen. You know, if I wait till the last minute, eventually there's just gonna I'm gonna do it out of pure panic, right? Like that's what's gonna happen. But then I also think of the downsider I can't imagine also like having my baseline being that I'd be able to do the boring things, right? Yeah. That'd be so amazing.
1: And sometimes this all or nothing stuff is helpful. Like if you're trying to escape something, you know, going through a breakup or, you know, feeling lonely and stuff like that, like the hyper-focus, but it's not helpful, you know? And it's also hard too, because I see it happen a lot, like with working out, Mm -hmm. people are like if I'm going to work out, I'm going to do it for real. I'm going to go for 50 minutes every single day. And that's just, you're so right. You said earlier, you're setting yourself up for failure. It wasn't sustainable in the first place, but right. But, but, living in balance also doesn't, isn't what we're used to because that's not how our thought patterns work. That's not how our relationships work. That's not how we feel about ourselves. That's not how our eating is. You know, I feel like we struggle with all of this living in this in between.
0: Right. And to that example, I was saying about the procrastinating until there's like panic, like, yeah, that's not the, that's not healthy. Right. But we force ourselves into this, like do it out of adrenaline or last minute, you know, motivation, because there's simply no other option. So it's kind of like how many of these patterns that we've formed have been because it's good or more so just because it helps us survive. Right. Like it helps get things done. It helps us keep our jobs it helps us get things done every day like I feel like during COVID I
1: noticed it in not so much damaging ways just in like weird ways like I got super super into needlepoint like really into needlepoint and then I was like if I'm gonna get into needlepoint I'm gonna get into needlepoint right and then I spent all this money on needlepoint stuff and now I don't even know where any of it is
0: I saw this tweet that was like ADHD unless you've gotten a blender, used it for three weeks straight, making the smoothies every day and then never touched it again or something like that? I got
1: a Nutribullet. I'm <laughs> I mean, every yeah, single day
0: and now, and that
1: was over the summer and I now I never want another smoothie ever again in my life. I, I did worry, it but... last night, dude. I, I'm now thinking about it. We'll blame some of it on the alcohol, but okay. we were in a record store. Do I own a record player? No. Did I buy three records anyway? Yes. <laughs> Because I was like, if I'm in this record store, I'm going to do it right,
0: you know? That is so funny. Wait, that's, we were in the mall the other day together, and sit, we walked by one of those places that does piercings. Oh my God. And I was
1: like, should we get piercings? It, and then you were like, no.
0: I was like, I mean, I could, like, yes, I could, like, we could pay 30 bucks and I could choose another spot in my ear to get a piercing, but it's like why Where well, we can go like spend
1: that on something else. so we got banana pudding instead and that was a much better choice but yeah. it was so funny because i was there and i was like well i'm in the mall i might as well do it
0: i know you were like but we have to do it i'm like
1: but, but why <laughs> it took us a really long time to get into a group with this podcast you know like we're on our fourth season and as you guys know we've switched the format a couple of times you know We've tried to figure out what works best and with our audience and like how you guys like to receive information. And that's been a real challenge in all or nothing thinking because we went into this thinking it was going to be perfect from Mm -hmm. the get go. And it hasn't been. And, you know, that's been really tough on both of us. It will change and it won't be perfect. And the only way that we can make it better is by doing it in the first place, which goes against everything of all or nothing thinking. Why do it if it's not gonna be perfect?
0: And being open to being like, okay, what worked, what didn't work. So instead of going to those extremes of like just either not doing it or saying yeah. that, okay, this is perfect, we don't need to change anything. Like we do need to assess it and talk about what's working. And that's not easy. No. Like me and you, you know, had, like
1: I think we've had two in our history of doing this podcast too, confrontational conversations about what we both could be doing better to make this more successful. And it's, it's, it's hard to not want to be like, fine, we should just not do it at all. I know. You know, it's what I was saying earlier. Like if I get, if I feel embarrassed in a friendship or a relationship, or I do something wrong, or we get into a fight, my automatic instinct is to be like, great, we're done now. I don't want to do Mm -hmm. this anymore. I don't want to ever talk about this anymore with you. I don't want to have a fight with you anymore. I'm done. But like, that's not helpful. And that's not how you become a better person, you know? Yeah.
0: And when I'm in that, when I'm in that down feeling of like, one thing might not be going great, it makes me look at the other things as just with the worst glasses of like, this is terrible. You're failing. Like if one thing is, if I'm failing in one area- might as well be failing at everything right, at once right. and my whole thing is a failure and I'm just, why am I even here? All that stuff. And it's it's a scary, you know, slippery slope to go down. And I think the whole point of talking about these things is so that we can be aware that our brain does go to these really negative and critical spaces sometimes and we just need to do what we can to stay in that gray area or at least make space for it, right? Or know that our brain naturally focuses on the negatives more or the critical thoughts and that's a really important thing to bring from our subconscious mind to the forefront
1: it's the same thing that we were talking about last week with the doom closet you know it's so easy to shove a bunch of crap in a closet because you don't want to deal with it and now the problem is too big to deal with so I'm just not going to deal with it Mm -hmm. but you know that's not helpful in Problem solving and life management. Like sometimes you do have to force yourself to do the uncomfortable thing.
0: Exactly. And in terms of the doom closet and just anything, it's actually a really good analogy for like putting like life. things away and not dealing with them. Yeah. Because um, it is easier to just not do it. But sometimes when it got when it's gotten too big or when the thing seems too overwhelming, that's the perfect time for like maybe we do need to be realistic with ourselves and ask for more help. Yeah. At times, that's what we need, so.
1: Okay, well, that's all we got for you guys today. We hope that you have a wonderful holiday season if you're spending time with family or if you are not spending time with family and you get some alone time.
0: Like Sam said, I hope you guys all have a great holiday season and we will talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye, you guys. As always, thank you guys so much for joining us for this week's episode. You can find me on Instagram at coaching by Alana, and you can find the podcast on Instagram at absolutely.adhd. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, write us a review so we can help share this information with more of you. Thank you so much for the support, and we will talk to you next week.